Botter, have been good close friends with Janet and myself uh, for a number of years. Uh, through my time out, Richard was probably one of the, probably the closest person who just kept in regular contact, ringing me almost weekly, Agon Key, and things like that. Um, he's not just a pastor, he's also a great mate and uh, a good kind of friend who believes in walking people through. Sometimes you can get caught up in the church thing that you forget the individuals who make up the church. And uh, Richard's not like that. Richard and Sue have been great friends. We'd meet irregularly down just below the Central Coast and have lunch and uh, keep that kind of connection. You engineers will love him. He was an engineer before pastoring. He used to love blowing up things. I think that was part of your job, wasn't it? Uh, demolition and all that stuff and reconstruction. Um, some of you will be aware uh, from years ago that Dr. Ian Jagelman, who's been a great friend to our church, who had three campuses in Sydney and became a bit of a model to us. Well, Richard and Sue were mentored under them, and the church that they lead was one of those campuses. Back then, they weren't called campuses. And, uh, and so they helped to plant that church. It's C3 Carlingford, been there, gone on 23 years now as the senior ministers of that church. And as I said, they lead Southeast Asia in church planting and making disciples. If you are interested in that region, we've never officially been a part of South Asia. But if, uh, if you're interested in that region and God's kind of tweaking something in you around the subcontinent, you might want to talk to these guys over the next two weeks. They do a lot of amazing ministry there and help pastors grow and things. Actually, our journal was printed by a C3 pastor. You know that? You know the guy, yeah. And, uh, and he's got his own printing house, which is called Victory. How about that? Go figure. Um, I think people thought we did it or something like that. But anyway... <laughs> We'll take the credit. But these guys are amazing, and I know that uh, some of you have experienced Richard's teaching and ministry and leadership sessions before, but this is the first time in a morning service. And uh, I know he's got a message for you that's going to move things, shift things, and it's also going to move you into a great place in God, an even greater place in God, in the next couple of weeks as we start our series on overflow. But again, I want you to do what Novocastrians kind of do well. I want you to stand. I want you to give him a great Novocastrian welcome. I think it's the first time you've preached here. Now, this guy, this is the first time you've actually preached in church in Newcastle? First time I've ever preached in a church. <laughs> Looks pretty good. Yeah, well, you've had five weeks off, so, you know. Yeah. I've good. had 23 years off. <laughs> not true. No. no Amazing church. True. Great yeah. church. So you guys should visit it. Have a good oh, time. you're off. You're, it's good. You guys can take a break. Thank you so much. Please sit down. Uh, it is an extraordinary privilege to be here. Sue and I, um, uh, we get invitations at differing times, and uh, but to be invited by incredible friends like Keith and Janet, uh, to come and be with you this morning and next Sunday as well is um, really quite remarkable. And Keith and Janet have become very, very good and dear friends to us uh, now over quite a number of years. Uh, gee, I don't actually know how long, but it's 15 plus, I would say, at least, uh, something like that. And uh, I know you love them. I, you must. You just let them go for five weeks and uh, which is good. I know you invest in them. I know you believe in them. I know you pray for them. And all I'm going to say is continue to, okay? 
uh, they need it, and uh, just as you need it, because I know they pray for you. Uh, I get on the phone uh, every now and then with, with Keith, and we'll be just talking church stuff, and he will consistently talk about the burden he has for you as the church, and uh, whether it's here uh, or whether it's over at the campus, and uh, he just he he just oozes you guys, and uh, uh, I, I love the fact that he's building disciples, uh, and that that matters because that's what we're called to do, uh, each one of us, and uh, and you've got somebody who leads that, and I know Janet shares that and does that with extraordinary ability as well. Uh, so it is our pleasure to be here, guys, and uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's good. What you've got and done up here uh, is a model to uh, a whole lot of the churches across our movement, and uh, I just want you to just keep that in mind, uh, that, that what God is doing across our nation is different, and you guys have been forerunners in that, and, uh, and that takes a real sense of courage and faith, uh, and uh, it's quite extraordinary what God is doing. Anyway, I'm, I'm here to preach, and, and what astounds me is that I've been invited to preach two weeks in a row without having first preached once. So, <clears throat> so today is going to be a tragic mess, and next week's going to be a redemption. Okay? Uh, no, not, well, hopefully not true. You are the only ones who can actually work that one out. I've been asked to speak about this issue of overflow. And uh, it's, a, it's an interesting concept, that notion of overflow. I know some people that, that if, I were, if I had a glass here and I started to pour this bottle of water into it and poured it until it overflowed, you'd be going, mess, waste of water, totally useless spillage, what kind of a moron is he? Now, we know that overflow doesn't always work the way we want it. Uh, and if we think about it in that context alone, we kind of go, well, why would you waste? Why would you, why would you allow a spillage to occur? Because it's not a sensible thing. We've only got so many resources, and therefore you don't make the mess, you don't create the spillage, you don't allow for overflow. I think that's the human condition. It's not God's condition. It's not God's condition. I think... I think over these three weeks of this, this series, what, what we're going to find is the fact that God's attitude to this notion of overflow is completely different from ours. And what we've got to do is we've got to start to align ourselves and actually start walking in obedience with His attitude toward overflow, rather than ours, which is to withhold and not allow for spillage or mess or anything like that, because that's what good humans do. I think what you want to do over these three weeks is allow your heart and your head to get challenged and for God to speak to you so that overflow becomes a natural and a normal experience of you both from God to you and you toward God and toward others. Because in the end, what we need is we need to experience God's overflow so that overflow would occur in our lives both back toward Him and back toward the people that He's called us to love. But let me help you, you will never be able to overflow the way God wants us to overflow unless you first experience the overflow of God towards you. You know, some of us have got very, very small measuring cups that we only allow God to fill to a point. Because it would be messy if He's filled over the top of that, wouldn't it? It'd be like, you know, God should not do that in our lives. And yet, We'll find today, as I speak about this notion of God's overflow toward us, that, that, that just a second, there's, 
There's grace upon grace. There's mercy upon mercy. There's provision. There's wisdom. There's comfort. There's, there's, you name it, one thing after another, God does not limit the measure He gives to you. But that takes us stopping and going, the mess, the mess, the mess, to allow God to be all that He wants to be to you. Uh, it's a difficult thing. I, I, I grew up in a Presbyterian and then Uniting Church, so I've got enough of that Scottish influence where you spill nothing ever, ever. I, I'm one of those guys who when you, you know, you're making the, the, you know, the coffee at home and, it, it, you know, there's still drips coming out of the espresso machine, it's waiting. It's wait, they've got to stop, you know, all the drips got to stop because you need every last bit that, that you know, like, I, I, I don't know what it is in me, I'm, I'm kind of like that. I, I, I clean the bottom of bowls, uh, you know, and if it's ice cream or something like that, I may clean it with a particular part of my body, <coughs> which is usually attached in the inside of my mouth. But you, you know what it's like, with, with sometimes what happens is we've got to get every last, and yet when we understand the nature of God's flow, and I'm not asking you to be wasteful, please do not hear that. What I'm asking you to do is to receive from God the measure with which He wants to bring to you. And as that occurs, you're going to find yourself in, in, a, in an amazing place. I, I, I love the fact that overflow for me speaks of an incredible richness, health, vitality, intimacy, and love. If our love overflows, it's not spillage, is it? No. When, you, when you're first going out with somebody and you're, you're kind of all eyes open and you're, you're just feeling like, oh, about that person who's now become this special interest to you, guess what? There's no wastage there, is there? You'll spill everything you've got over them. And you don't even think that it could be wastage. Well, you think about the way God wants to love you. You think about the intimacy God wants to bring into your life. You think about the context of His peace and His grace and His mercy. And His, wow, I tell you what, there's no limit, is there? Our text for this series is from Psalm 23. It's familiar to many of us. Maybe if only because it's the beginning of the Vicar of Dibley. But, um, you know, <coughs> uh, that, that's okay. You know, whichever way you go, I, I don't know. But you'll recall that psalm. I'm just going to read it really quickly. It, it, it goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, if you've ever been to a funeral, you've probably heard that scripture. Somewhere along the line. You know, but it is a very familiar scripture for many of us. But if you think about it, you take one step back and just look at that scripture, that, that psalm in its entirety, it's just a description of the overflow of God to us. It's extraordinary. So rich, green pastures, 
Ah, just close your eyes for a moment. Look for a couple of rolling hills if you've got that kind of imagination. Green, rolling part. Wow, that's lush and rich and free. Quiet waters. Refreshing, you say. Right paths. Fear no evil. Rod and staff. Comforting. Anointing. Goodness. Love. All my days. Dwelling in God's house forever. There's an incredible richness and overflow. It's an extraordinary picture of overflow. Now, I want us to apprehend that over these next couple of weeks. This is a picture of God's overflow toward us. And if you don't get the sense of God choosing to overflow into your life, the overflow will never flow from you. Because you'll measure it out. It'll be more like a pie than a river. Well, you give a piece of the pie out to the people who are most deserving at whatever time, rather than the river of life that is meant to flow out of us. Overflow's got to come to us so that it'll flow through us, but if you don't have it, you'll measure out whatever it is that you've got in your resources, and God never planned that you would do life by your resources. So connecting to God's overflow is crucial. Overflow in our lives starts with God's overflow toward us. And when that sinks deep into our hearts and our heads, it leads to a powerful sense of belonging in God's family. Understanding of why we're placed here on the planet. Security in who we are. Because now we are truly the children of the King. If we're truly to become like Christ, to grow from glory to glory, then the ability, the attitude of overflow is one that we must learn to excel in. And we do this by first apprehending God's overflow toward us. So, this morning what I want to do is I just want to give us a series of different things that help us understand the nature of God's overflow. This will not be a comprehensive list. I don't have enough time to do that today of God's overflow toward us. The overflow of God is evident in the way in which He deals with His creation and especially with humanity. God gives His gracious gifts to humanity and things like salvation and sanctification and through giving His Spirit and providing wisdom and comfort and strength and encouragement and provision. And you know it, God is at work in us that way. And we need to allow that overflow to completely overwhelm us. I love that overflow starts when we were powerless. That's what the Scripture says. You see, when we were enemies with God, God reached out in His overflow to love us and to release salvation to us. Romans 5, verses 6 through 10 says this, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? I want you to understand, when you were an enemy, God was still loving you in an overflowing manner. When you were powerless to do anything about your life and lifestyle, God was working 
in overflow towards you. I tell you, that takes somebody completely different from us and our kind of frame, doesn't it? Because we might do that for a good person. We understand the Scripture in that regard, but we wouldn't do it for everybody. I mean, look around the people next to you. Well, you know, the person right next to you probably would fall because they're maybe related or they're a friend because that's why you're sitting next to them. But you know what? You don't have to walk too far commonly to go, I'm not sure I would overflow toward that person. Yet God did. When you're an enemy. When you're powerless. God is overflowing in His love for us. Even when we were opposed to Him, He took the initiative. Ah, Let me help you. We need to sense that overflow toward us. Because so often what happens is that we feel like we've got to make the initiative. We've got to make the initiative. It's all about the do. But when you have that sense of being where God has in your powerlessness come and poured out His grace and salvation to you, suddenly it's no longer about what you have to do. You've just got to be the saved person. Because the saved person takes that initiative in that kind of way. I need God to reach out to me again and again and again. I love His overflowing heart and taking the initiative and making grace available to me in salvation. You know, He didn't just initiate, however. Isaiah 55 verse 7 says this, Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and He will have mercy on them and to our God for He will freely pardon. He both initiates and continues that notion of pardon. There's an overflow. It's not a, you know, you know, sign on the dotted line now or you miss the deal kind of thing. I don't know whether you've ever been in one of those nicely high-powered kind of pressured frames. So often we are. A salesperson saying, if you sign now, you'll get that deal. God's not like that. God initiates and He continues that initiative. God's mercy overflows to us. We know that His mercy is new every morning. He freely pardons us. God reaches to us His overflowing love to bring salvation to us, to redeem us from the curse of sin and death. He justifies us. He he pours out that overflow and extends to us, giving His eternal life to us. John chapter 3, verse 16, a very familiar verse of the Bible, says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I love how God reaches out His overflowing love to us in salvation. I am eternally grateful for that. You are too. If you've come here to church over a period of time, maybe weeks or months or years, however long, but you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will stand here today going, I am so thankful for the overflow of God's love toward me. So powerful is His love toward me. We need to simply accept that love by faith in Jesus Accepting what He's done on the cross and dying on our behalf. And before the end of the service today, if you've never received God's overflowing love and salvation, then we're going to give you an opportunity to do just that, to receive that pardon, that forgiveness from your Father in heaven. All too often, when you're the enemy of someone, you write people off. God, God gives you 
the opportunity and he doesn't write us off. He doesn't write any of us off. So today you have that opportunity to say, okay, I know you don't write me off. Now I'm not writing you off, God. But overflow doesn't just come in the area of salvation. No. Overflow is involved in what uh, we Christian people, religious people like pastors call sanctification. It's one of those really weird words, isn't it? Really weird. Basically, it means he wants to make us whole. God wants not only to start, you to start well, that, that you receive that initiation with God where, where salvation comes into your soul. He wants you to, to grow and grow and grow. See, it's break free from every bondage, every sin, every attitude that demeans God himself, others, and ourselves. God wants to release us, to free us, to heal us, and strengthen us. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this, His divine power has given us everything, everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. I love that thought. What an amazing thought. He doesn't leave us without the resources. He doesn't go eeny, meeny, miny, mo to pick the person He's going to favor as if the others in the room don't get it. That's not the nature of God. God's overflow extends to every one of us. And He wants us to grow, to, to, to walk as disciples, to get to know Him more and more and more for His character, for who Christ is to be formed within us and for us, therefore, to transform those who surround us. He wants everyone growing. So He gives us everything we need for a godly life. And even when we're tempted, and who knows we are, He gives us a way out. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 simply says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to us all. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide you with a way out so you can endure it. So even in that context where temptation may come and will come to every one of us, there's still a way through that God provides to us. See, God's overflow isn't just in salvation. It's also in us becoming whole in Christ. But then it moves on. The overflow of God is in the context of the Spirit of God. He doesn't just stop at providing a salvation and eternal life and the ability to live with Him and for Him. He pours out His Spirit upon us every day, enabling us to live in power day by day by day. Acts chapter 2 verse 17 simply says, In the last days God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. These are the last days. And God has poured out His Spirit upon us, and He's done so without measure, without limit. John 3 verse 34 reminds us, God gives the Spirit without limit. And do you sense the dryness in your soul? Oh, go back to Psalm 23. Is that still water, that green pasture, your experience this morning? Or is there a dryness? Irrespective of the rain outside, is there a dryness in your soul? Perhaps a fatigue. Then we need to come to the Father who gives the Spirit without limit so that the refreshing of our soul would be just like King David explains in Psalm 23. 
where the Spirit is poured out upon our lives without limit. Beyond that, God, God gives an overflow in wisdom to us as well. God's overflow covers every facet of our life. He wants us to be fruitful in every area of our worlds. He brings the Spirit to bring understanding and wisdom in those contexts, whether we're at business or uni or in our families, with our spouses or our in-laws or outlaws, as the case may be, or with our children, whatever it may be. God pours out His Spirit. He pours out His wisdom over us. John, James chapter 1, verse 5 reminds us, if anyone lacks wisdom... You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. That's a great, you know, like as if I've got to work it out whether it's okay or not. No, without finding fault, God will give you that wisdom. And how does He give it? He gives it with generous, generously. Uh, generously for me is just another term for overflow. You're in a situation right now at work that you don't have an answer for. Stop thinking about it. Start praying about it. Start saying, God, I know you've put me in this company, in this situation, in this position by your plan and purpose. Therefore, you will give me the wisdom I need. Go to the place of faith, expectation, and guess what? You will find that wisdom will come. And you'll be stunned sometimes about what God did. And you've thought, 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 and then you've thought long enough to think to pray. And you pray... And it's amazing what God will bring to mind right then and there. God's overflow extends to comfort and encouragement and strength as well. I don't know whether you've ever felt like giving up, but I do more often than I like to admit to the honest truth of that. There are things that come against every one of us that buffet us, that challenge our thinking about ourselves and about others for whatever set of reasons we feel like we should just give up, we, the, the tide of life overwhelms us. Every sphere of our world, we're not waving, we're drowning. You've been there probably, I know I have. You're doing all you can and it's simply not enough. Then we need to lean into God's overflow. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 remind us this. May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father who loved us and by His grace gave us eternal encouragement, eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and work. You see, God's overflow isn't limited around things like wisdom or His Spirit or or, or around, them, around you know, salvation or sanctification. He wants us to do well in life in its entirety. Every good work, every good deed. He amply supplies everything we need in overflow. Not just enough, more than enough. And the last thing that I want to just remind us of the fact of God's overflow toward us this morning is in the area of provision. I'll pick this up some more next week as well. But that sense of God's provision and overflow toward us is something we need to live in. And we need to go to that place of faith and allow what God speaks over our lives to be true for us. And I know for me, I've been the biggest barrier to God's overflow of provision to me. Now you might think, what? It's all about God. No, 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 no. If you've got a meager mindset, then guess what? You live in that meager mindset. And you'll, you'll divert the provision 
the overflow that God wants to give to you. I've had to battle that in my own life. I've had to work that out and go, just a second, if God is who He is, and He's never changed, so He is, then what's the problem here? The problem is here. I don't know whether you've ever had a problem in your computer. I had a problem with my computer on Friday afternoon, and I sent a text off to our business guy for church and our IT guy as well, and and uh, and the IT guy came back with some options, and they were all options I'd tried. So so I went back to him with the acronym PICNIC. Problem not in computer, but in chair. That was the problem. It's me in the chair. Problem in chair, not in computer. It's just like, and I think that's a lot of the problem with respect to provision. Problem not with God, but with me. So let's remind ourselves of some of the things that God says about the notion of provision, of overflow, expansive provision for our lives. It's that God doesn't do things in one dimension. It's in every dimension of our lives. God's provision and overflow is, is in our relational world. It floods our spiritual world. It floods our emotional world. It floods our material world. Philippians chapter 4, 19, you, you, you're likely to know this scripture. It, it simply says this, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. It's pretty hard to get around the word all, isn't it? It's painful though when you front up to the word all and realize just a second, I actually don't believe that. But God's overflow extends to all, all, all your needs, my needs. And speaking specifically about financial provision, uh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I hate the word all. Isn't it an annoying word? It should be a four-letter word, not a three-letter word. I'm telling you, I don't like that word when I read it in that kind of context because there I realize I'm going to be the problem because it's not going to be about God and His sense of overflow toward me. But we've got to do that work of repentance. That's to change our minds, to align ourselves with God and say, God, what it is that you're saying to me through your word is true. And I'm going to accept this word of overflow over my life. I'm going to allow you to be the overflowing God toward me. I'm not going to hold back any area of my life. I'm going to allow you to overflow everything you want into my life. Because that's God's plan. That's God's purpose. God's heart, His very nature is to be generous, overflowing in our lives. That's the nature of God toward us. To think of God as stingy is to think of, you'll think of God as capricious. To think of God as withholding is not to know God. That's the truth. If that's the way you see Him, you are not seeing the God of heaven. You're not seeing the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're not seeing God who is the Almighty, Omnipotent One, who knows all things. You're seeing a God of your own making. And that's a dangerous place to be. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32 says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Are you living in God's overflow? Is God's overflow real in your world? Is there a sense of overflow in your family, in your business, in your relationships with your extended family and friends? Is there a sense of God's overflow in your material context, your spiritual context, in every context of your life? Is that sense of overflow really at work? Because God says that He wants to cause that overflow in us. He wants to graciously give us all things. If God is for us, who can be against us? Paul makes it plain. God doesn't give empty promises. He's acted. What He's done in Christ and by the Spirit constitutes all the proof we need of His overflow toward us. He's taken the step. He's made the initiative. Now we've got to actually line up with the way that God truly is. God gave Jesus up, expresses the Father's participation. And the same is said of Jesus in Galatians 2.20, that that He gave Himself up for us. And when the cross, with the cross before us, as the demonstration of God's grace in giving His Son, naturally follows that the same gracious Spirit will not withhold anything from those who are His. Such is the assurance given in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that everything we need for life and godliness has been given to us. Every one of us needs to encounter God in His overflow, to encounter God as He truly is, and that's what we're doing over these weeks. It's in this place of grace and overflow that we experience salvation, healing, sanctification, empowering, Wisdom, the Holy Spirit, comfort, strength, encouragement, provision. I could go on and on. Jesus' overflow extends to all. And you may think this morning, you're, you're one of those people who's more on the outside than the inside. Well, there's a story in John chapter 8. I'll finish with this. It's of a woman who's caught in adultery. She's on the outside, let's face it. She's so much on the outside within that culture at that time. A whole bunch of blokes have brought her, thrown her in front of Jesus with rocks in their hands, all set to stone her, to kill her. And they ask Jesus, Oi, come on, what are you reading about this one? And his summary after asking others to judge her, but if they were without sin, was simply... Go and sin no more. Mean-spirited people attempt to exact revenge and make a point. The overflow of God, as Jesus shows it here in John 8, is to call people to their future, to call them to salvation, to provide them with hope. What have you experienced of God's overflow towards you? Perhaps this morning you need to experience the overflow of God's love and salvation. Maybe you're not like that woman in John chapter 8 in adultery, but you know enough about yourself that there's a darkness within which you've done everything you can to solve and it hasn't moved, it's not going to, but you need the love of God to get in on the inside of it. You need to be saved. There's no better word for it. For some of you here this morning, you need some wisdom around a business deal or something going on in your family. For some of you, you need an impartation of the Spirit so that that fatigue, that that shallowness, that hollowness within is totally dealt with. Whatever it is today, we're here to receive overflow. 
So let's begin to pray. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's open our hearts and our minds to Christ. Let's ask the Holy Spirit right now to come. Without measure. Because the Holy Spirit is here right now to introduce us to Jesus if we've never met Him. To bring peace and comfort and encouragement if right now we're harassed, depressed, disheartened. To bring a fresh wisdom and understanding into a business situation or a family situation or a, a friend situation where we've tried our best and we haven't got what we needed, but the Holy Spirit's here right now to bring that wisdom, to drop that word, that thought into your heart, into your head. Maybe it's around the area of financial provision where you just need to stop and hear God say to you, I've got it. I've got it. Open your heart right now.